Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Flying Bison Podcast. It's going to be a little different tonight. We're going to chill out. We're going to just have a little conversation. Not like a game conversation like we normally do. Well, we've got a... Danny is is out tonight. Uh, He should be back next week. So rather than push the story forward and either be without Rosic or make decisions for Rosic that Danny would not make. We thought we would uh, take some of those questions that a few of our listeners sent to us a couple weeks ago and just do a little Q and a session. Um, but before we do that, here's my, here's my Q and a session. Here's my question for you. The classic question is if you could be any animal, what would you be and why? But this is Avatar. So if you could be any Avatar animal, what would you be and why? You like, could, if it you, has to be in the You've got to mash up two animals, yeah. Oh, oh, like I can pick any two that don't exist in like sure. the canon? Oh, okay, so it just you has to be You could be a canon animal, or you could just pick two animals and mash them up together. I feel like I'd have to say uh, Lion Turtle, right? Oh, yeah. So epic. See, that's what I was going to ask, like... How are we defining animal in the context of the Avatar universe? Because there's like a sliding scale of sentience with what we might call an animal Johnny, in our world. Is a lion an animal? Yeah, but is a, lion a turtle, turtle an animal? It's kind of, it's not really just a turtle and but a lion. A, but a lion turtle is not just a lion and a turtle mixed. It is a sentient spirit being. Near God, that, like creature. Yeah. If you want to be God, Johnny, then be a spirit God. Okay, then the animal I choose is the Avatar. <laughs> I he gamed the system. <laughs> no, I mean, he broke okay, it already. Right. You all broke right, so the, the Avatar. <laughs> uh, no, more a more serious answer. I think I'd be a badger mole, just because they're so cool. Mm. Aren't they blind? Yeah, but they don't need to see, man. Sure, they're in the, they're in the caves and stuff. They're like chilling yeah. with music, and they and got earth bending. That's where Toph. Yeah, you sound like the people who underestimate Toph. Yeah. It's true. I would underestimate Toph if I saw her. I think all of us would, if I'm being honest. Fair enough. She's like three feet tall. She's three blind. feet tall. Blind, yeah. Bias. Bias is powerful. It's real, y'all. It really is. It's sad. I I, I don't want to. I, I would quickly learn my lesson, right? Oh, yeah. You get schooled. As, oh, as yeah. everyone in the show did, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Trying, anyone else? I'm trying to think of something that's true to me. Yeah. This is fun because you get a. Normally, you just have to think of one animal that represents you, right? Now you can think of two, and just push them together. The thing is, I can't just mash up certain animals that I've cherished and loved, like as a kid, because some of them don't work at all. Like, uh, do it, do I, it anyway. Just do it. So I had a big pygmy marmoset phase because it's just like the tiniest, cutest monkey ever. It's got like a tail three times the length of its body. It's like nine inches of tail, like three inches of monkey, and it's adorable. But then I was like, but I also had a, a a bison face. And I was like, what do I do? Just throw a nine inch monkey tail on a bison or like put that f- cute face on there? I was like, I don't, I'm not feeling this. Just I'm, a really tiny like bison. A bison yeah. <laughs> Just a little baby a bison tail. monkey. That's adorable. <laughs> you know, I bet someone could come up with a version of this that doesn't offend me. So <laughs> but I can't, I can't picture one yet. I got to be honest. <laughs> I guess that'll be my my unsatisfying to me answer. I've always I I in the vein of Steve, I grew up I love uh wolves. When I was a, like growing up, I loved wolves. 
And I, I always think of myself as an otter, kind of playful, a little silly, sleeps holding hands with someone. Hmm. So you play I, an otter. What? So. You do play an otter. I do play an otter. otter. But, so. I play a part part otter. Yeah. So I think some sort of like wolf otter. Or yeah. Otter wolf. Otter wolf sounds better. I'd have to go with a wolf. It's good. Hawk. I see it. Ooh, yeah. terrifying. Whoa. I think that's actually. Yeah. In, I feel like that was in the show. I haven't gotten there yet. I don't. I, think... I don't know. I mean, I defer to you. You're like our lore guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to be misquoted here. I just. Well, a wolf like hawk is a like real that. thing. What in like real life? <laughs> real life. <laughs> There is a hawk called a wolf hawk. Oh, well, we're talking about I mean, a wolf yeah. hawk, though. There is no wolf hyphen hawk, though, in the Avatar universes, as uh. I can tell. What are you picturing? <laughs> I misled you. My apologies. Um, are, we, are we thinking, like, hawk-sized wolf? Like or, a, like... Like a wolf body with, like, the hawk type of eyes and the, the, the wings... And stuff. So like a griffin, but a wolf. So like and a, a griffin, hawk. but yeah. with a wolf oh and a hawk gosh, instead of a griffin and an eagle. That is awesome. Yeah, but I think like there's also certain things that hawks do have that are separate. Well, I don't know. I don't really know griffins. I, they're kind of imaginary, so I don't know the rules. But um, but yeah, I guess in all terms, a griffin and a wolf maybe uh, that'd be cool. But griffins are lions and what eagles or something. Yeah, eagles. eagles yeah, so it'd be yeah. a wolf and a hawk. And stuff. I mean, they're basically like the whole. You basically take an eagle, make it lion-sized, and then replace the tail with the back half right. of a lion. Hmm. So epic. Either way, that, it, I'm terrified. I mean, there'd also be like parts of, of the wolf that would be like feathers, too. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. I don't know. That'd be a cool mount. If you ever played uh, another character, if someone, someone wants to steal that. <laughs> we need a wolf hawk. A wolf hawk. Honestly, a more serious answer for me would be, and I actually would go with a cannon animal and just be a flying bison. They're amazing. It's hard not to say that. Yeah. Like, you can fly, you get to kind of just be lazy, but, like, you're powerful, too. Was the flying bison concept developed, like, before they fleshed out their love for, like, the two-animal system? I don't know. Or did the flying bison, it just gets called a flying bison, but when you look at the tail, you're like... This definitely has like platypus features or like beaver features. Beaver, yeah. Yeah, but they just didn't call it a flying bison beaver or whatever. <laughs> well, there's also like dragons in the yeah. Avatar yeah, world. Just like straight, straight up, up dragons. dragons. There's also a yeah. bear, right? There's just a big there normal bear. A bear. There is a bear. One singular one bear. Singular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the gene pool isn't looking great for that one. No. But. <laughs> no. The bear went to and fro, but could only find bear pigs and man bear pigs. You know, that does bring up probably a question we don't want to delve into, which is, did these hybrid animals arise from mixed breeding? From mixed breeding? Or yeah. are they naturally mixed? I mean, this doesn't take place in on, on Earth, so in, on Earth that wouldn't be able to happen. No. So I'm going to guess they're probably purebreds. That's yeah, just how they are. I never know. You know, speaking of like uh, so. mixed breeding, uh, Abby was telling me this the other day. We went to the zoo. <laughs> You're wondering where I'm going with this, Nick. I see that. I'm You're a little like, confused. What's happening right now? I'm worried. So we went, to the, we went to the zoo and we were we were watching the, the polar bears. So I'm sure most of you know that the polar ice caps are melting and the poles are heating up. And so polar bears are getting pushed 
uh, closer to the equator. Uh, did you know that they are the most aggressive species of bear? And so they are aggressively, aggressively mating with other bears that they find as they move towards the equator. Yeah. Creating these mixed bears that are incredibly aggressive, but can survive in warmer in climates. Warmer climates. Yep. Yeah. There's a uh, oh my a recently discovered Kodiak polar bear hybrid that is like the most dangerous bear on the planet now. Terrifying. And Very that's cool. Can't what wait we for them to meet grizzlies. We're gonna get Kodiaks so showing Kodiaks, up at the equator. Kodiaks are a type of grizzly. Oh. They're just they're, lar- they're they are Alaskan grizzlies, and they are significantly larger than t- standard grizzlies. You know, because all of us were complaining about the small size of standard mm-hmm. grizzlies. <laughs> I've been I've been telling you guys we need scarier bears of course yeah we yeah, need grizzlies invincible bears. bears no i know nick we need scarier scarier oh, bears. Sorry. yeah what we need to to really nip climate change in the bud is a new apex predator <laughs> wasn't that what the killer bees were for yeah whatever happened to those uh mm. they're still kind of a problem but yeah. they, they were sort of dealt with now let's just hope the killer bees and the polar kodiak bears don't you know, meet it, don't meet at a club and hit it off. Just swarms of flying Kodiak polar bears. <laughs> it's bear. like those wasp things, yeah, those hot wasps the wasp from vultures. Uh, wasp vultures. Yeah, is what those, those are terrifying. Those, those are so. Wasn't scary. there something Jeez. that happened last year called like murder hornets? Does anyone remember that? Yeah, oh, that's okay. What I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. The murder hornets. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. they actually have a name? I think yeah. I said killer bees. Yeah. No, it's just murder hornets. Uh-huh. That's I, 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 I think I said killer bees, but murder hornets was like the popular okay. name. Because they were hornets, yeah, and they murdered people. <laughs> that sounds awful. That is murder. They mean like they yeah. it was all pre-planned no, and everything. Just, like, yeah, like, <laughs> third, no, no, third degree. <laughs> Premeditated <laughs> murder <laughs> hornets. For sure. <laughs> First degree. It was an accident. <laughs> now we need particular <laughs> manslaughter murder hornets. Not the manslaughter hornets. <laughs> <laughs> We've got regicide hornets. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we reached out and asked our listeners for some questions, and a few of them reached out, and there's some really great questions. So we're just going to, I don't know, I'm just going to pick some at random, but if you guys have questions for each other or you have questions for me, we'll just uh, we'll just ask some questions, and uh, we're definitely not going to get through all of them because there's a lot, um, but we'll try and answer what we can, and we'll save some for another time, maybe another time with Danny. So, nice. all right. Um this is here's my first question um i this is just me interested i think a lot of these questions too i want to say is not me like fishing for anything or like this is me like asking questions like as an invested listener like i'm interested in in some of your thought process and in character process as well too but i'd love to know like what made you guys choose the characters that you created or like what was your inspiration for for what you came up with i can start if you guys want go for it uh so with chaina um it was very much uh well all of your all of your characters if you play tabletop rpgs are really just you but with like different different colorings different aspects of you you know heightened or focused on um that's something that you learn when you play a lot of tabletop rpgs uh, and with Chainow, I really wanted to explore um, this 
idea of being raised in a culture, like steeped in a culture and having this other kind of culture, just like that you have a claim to that's part of your heritage, your ancestry and not really being knowing too much about it, not really feeling really connected to it. <clears throat> um, and I really wanted him to have a brother, which became a conversation with uh, Danny uh, because I really like brother stories and I, I have brothers in real life myself. And I really wanted to explore, you know, that dichotomy as much as possible of like being a part of two worlds. Um, and so th then the brothers literally are from two worlds, but they're still brothers. And I really wanted that to be like the highlight of their interactions and see how that, where that went. It introduces a fun, like, I feel like family aspect. Um, yeah, absolutely. That I don't think we've seen in Avatar too much. Um, you know, you get Mako and Bolin a little bit, but yeah, on the surface, it looks like Mako and Bolin again, but, um, I, I really don't think it's going to pan out anything like that. So. Oh, not at all, no. Yeah, I think you're already differentiated, and it's I think it's a really good dynamic. <laughs> I'm enjoying it a lot. I'm glad that we have the uh -huh. Launcher Brothers. But if anyone was Bolin, it would be Rosic. Rosic, oh, yeah. Rosic yeah, is the himbo of our group, for oh, sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, just pure chaos. What about the rest of you? Um... Well, I'm pretty new at this, so I wanted to do something that was fairly easy and something that I could easily uh, chime into, just because I wasn't sure how this was going to go. And, you know, I, I've only played uh, something like this, like, once, and it was years ago. So I just wanted to do something kind of familiar. And I can definitely relate to, one, being the only girl in, in a group of of guys which is great i don't you know it's not nothing that was like bothering me but also trying to find your your way in there without being quote unquote the slut you know because i can easily be typecast if you're the only girl in a in a you know uh male groups but also not be like the complete tomboy like the one who's just like trying too hard to be a dude so that's always like i thought that that was pretty interesting growing up trying to find like how to how to navigate that um hmm. uh but also i i am an only child and uh my father wasn't really a big part of my life so not knowing where i came from entirely was always a big uh question for me and i thought that would be interesting to put into a into like a gameplay of some sort in a fictional world hmm. not that that's never been told before it's been told over and over again obviously but uh, I, there's got to be more people out there that are like me who don't know where they come from. And, uh, yeah. you know, and so I just thought that would be really interesting to one, not know where you come from, but also not know how to navigate the world with a bunch of people that you are connected to and are unsure, you know, how you feel about them either. There's just a lot of questions, which means mm -hmm. it could go anywhere and gives whoever it is, whether you're male or female, the complete opportunity to be whoever you want to be because there are no traditional values being placed upon her at this particular moment. And I think right now in this type of world, that's more important than ever. We're all trying to knock down all these traditions and stuff and try to pave a new way of how people should maybe not should be like, but should have the support to figure out who they, they want to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I, I, even just you talking like that's very, um, indicative of even the playbook that you chose right this like tension between like 
your tradition, your role, and freedom, and trying to discover like who you are and your place in this world. And yeah, I'm the maybe it's be just because we're like in that story right now, but I'm just like so fascinated with like Liko's story mm-hmm. right now, just because of what we're For what sure. we're doing right. uh, as we're playing. Yeah, no, we're all listeners in in, in that one. We've all got. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely enjoying that. It's funny because this is tangential, but like, as as the episodes, to my mind, like, got better and picked up, like in terms of like our characters coming to life and certain things, I started becoming like more and more of a fan of our own show. <laughs> so like. Before, I would not be, like, waiting for our own episode to drop so that I could listen to it, but now I am. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Liko's yeah, no. been taken off. It's really cool to see Liko yeah. start coming into her own. Yeah. For me, I think the inspiration for, for me with Osa was, you know, I had an idea. We all had, had an idea coming in what era we were going to be looking at. And so kind of knowing what I, what was going to be going on in the world in, in general, um, and you know, I, so I knew I wanted to play an airbender and explore the ideas of, um, you know, losing the place that you were supposed to belong and those ideas similar to some of what, uh, Monroe was just saying with Liko is like those ideas of like found family and the family that you choose and the people that you, uh, kind of commit yourself to versus the people that are given to you. Um, and so as I was thinking about like those themes and like different characters I've enjoyed in the past, I kept coming back to you. And it's one of my favorite movie series in general, but I, and I mentioned it in like the character creation episode, but Kung Fu Panda is like, I love those movies and I feel like it explores those same themes in a really, really interesting ways as well. And then was just thinking about how, how fun it would be to like kind of in s- some ways superimpose Poe into the world of Avatar and that's how I kind of came up with a lot of who Osa is. He's such a great inspiration. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you chose sort of Poe as your your touchstone for Osa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think for me, I with Ren Song, I was trying to carry bits and pieces of myself that I haven't put into other characters before in games, uh, and. So there's a bit of familiarity, but I also wanted to challenge myself. Um, so like the aspect of Ren that's coming out a little bit more, like with like the speech in Wanya, or like um, like coming up with something to say to the centipede, like mini co-spirits, that side is something that I think is a bit of me, where it's like I really want to work with words and try to use them in like a powerful way in life. Um but then there are other aspects that don't feel at home at all, like taking a back seat, waiting for people to act and responding to them. Um, like that's not Steve. <laughs> so um, so this is something I'm enjoying. It stretches me as far as like developing a character. Um, and I love it because I, I like, I didn't feel like I could do that. Like I could take a back seat. Uh, but then like right when we jumped into episode one, I think it was like Che who jumped in and started like talking at 60 miles a minute. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, yo, I can chill. <laughs> and we have Che. And like then everybody else kind of started chiming in in their own way. And I was like, this is like a good mix. And I can lean into this group and let them do stuff. So I think Ren has been given permission to like, like be a little quieter 
and wait for certain opportunities to come forward and like do something. Um, so I'm trying to work into that, like be the dreamy withdrawn character. It's fun. It's cool. Well, you guys are you guys are crushing it. I I love just sitting back and listening to you guys. Can I also just immediately claim that the the very talkative, somewhat annoying side of Che is, is not connected with me at all. Just not for <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, that's not you. <laughs> not me at all. Just wanted to add that. I am so like actually now that you bring that up on that, that was actually uh, that was a question I I had thought of. Um, do you think that that uh, like is that naturally Che? Or do you think that that was like some of his upbringing and training? Uh, I think it's naturally who he is. And the the really fun side of that is uh, I think for a really long time, he was very much not like that, right? Because he's in this like strict household. He's got a lot of things to live up to. And he's constantly, we haven't really got into this, but he's like not always, doesn't always measure up in the eyes of his father. And you can see that in his father's eyes. And um so there's this like there was always this like really trying to be like the perfect son and and doing all this stuff and trying to be the way he was you know taught to be um but also this really this this just hunger to prove himself and now that he's out there he's just like he's just like i can i can do this i can try this i can see if this is gonna work and that was really like a big, that was a huge turning point, even though it was like the first time people saw it. Che, it was a big change for him actually, because he did it his way and it worked. Like it, you know, nobody told him that it was the wrong way to do it. Nobody was like, nah, you should have done this instead. He, it just totally worked out and it was, but it was him being him and it was actually pretty big for him. So Che's got a lot of, a lot of questions about how the world really is. It'll be fun to explore those later. I like that Che tests out his questions by jumping in. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> it certainly made things interesting for us. Uh, all right, here's another one. Uh, what has been your favorite moment of the podcast so far? Right off the bat, the um, the faces with Ren. Oh, yeah, that's so good. That's my favorite. Come on. I was like, put your mask back on. Yeah. And then he was like, he didn't do nothing. He just kept it, kept staring. And I knew, like, that's when I started feeling things. And I think, like, off screen, I said, uh, or off mic, I said a bad word because I was, like, so into it. I was so in- invested in what was happening. I thought that was, that's yeah. my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't disagree. That scene was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on- honestly, same. Like, I think those those episodes were the ones I was away for. And so I was listening to catch up and was just like, this is the best thing we've ever done. Like this is just incredible to listen to and hearing and and having gotten to and maybe we can explore this a little bit, but having gotten to talk to Steve a little bit about like the deeper aspects of like what Ren was thinking and feeling in that moment as well. Uh I think like as a as both a player and a listener, like that so far has been just the mo- I think the most incredible scene and any of us has has played out. Really loved that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't think, I think it's, it's, it's easy to really focus on, on Ren, but I think Liko really was just like, so like such a good supporting role mm-hmm. in that scene mm-hmm. and just like, just like mirroring what you're, it was just really good. That's, it was just it's really so good. true. I think we're going to unpack this over time, but like Ren wouldn't have done For nothing sure. if Liko wasn't there. Really? Cause like, I feel like they didn't do nothing. That sense of the imminence of like someone that I care about mm. as Ren. And just like 
realizing that we're in too deep and that it's kind of either me or you um mm. just like really pushed the envelope for me for ren's character i was just like ren is gonna give up his face like i don't know what's that what else is gonna happen after this but like <laughs> the mask has to come off now because because they're asking for liko's face they're like give us right. give us the girl's <laughs> face and i was just like nah <laughs> so like <laughs> and i know you guys yeah well sorry i didn't mean no, to yeah you're good you off johnny but like I did, I know you guys kind of played it off as a joke, but the whole like squeezing each other, like you're both shaking <laughs> and you d- didn't know who was shaking, but that like it really works like for the scene. Yeah, it's very uh, visceral. For sure. Yeah, yeah, and I was just gonna say like also to give kudos to Justin for like playing out that scene where we genuinely, I mean, I think as players, as listeners, all around the board, didn't know what was gonna happen there, and like, I mean, it was like a moment where I was like, okay, like is Steve going to have to make a new character for next week? Like, is Justin going to take his face? Like what's about to happen? And I think like, just kudos to you, Justin, for making the stakes feel real as, you know, as we're going through this thing and not like, I I don't think there's been a moment so far where, especially with that though, where it didn't feel like what's going to happen. Like this could go either way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, um, I mean, I've, I'm new, not to GMing, but certainly new to GMing Powered by the Apocalypse games, which is what Avatar runs off of. And, you know, uh, most of the stuff I've done is Pathfinder in D&D. And mm. I usually, usually run, uh, like, written modules. Um, so the story's laid out for me, right? I'm just, like, reading it and helping make it alive for the players. So this is the first time that, like, I have no idea where the story is going. Um, and I'm, and I'm trying to lean into like this instead of, oh, here's a puzzle. Here's a problem. And here's the way to get past the puzzle or problem. Just be like, here's the problem. What do you guys do? Like, <laughs> I, I also like, yeah. I had no idea what was going to happen. I, you know, I, like that being said, I, I, I do prep beforehand because I want to make sure I'm prepared as well as possible, but that went way different than I expected it to. And I loved it. Like that, I agree. I think because of that, that was one of the best moments so far is because I had no idea what was going to happen. And for what it's worth, Liko, I'm calling you Liko, I th- <laughs> Monroe, I thought that what Liko did in that scene was artistry. Like I thought it was all like playing perfectly to the scene. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but I, I think to answer your question, Justin, um, I, I kind of lean Launcher Brothers when I think of like my favorite scenes so far, <laughs> which is counterintuitive for me because I have never played a comedic relief element in hardly any of my characters in like role play games. Um, and when Danny does stuff, my initial reaction is to be pissed. <laughs> like, I'm like, why would you do that? Why? Like, we have a scary scene. Justin set it up perfectly. There's like fog. We're in this village called You Die at night in, in the mist. And a faceless human turns around and it's terrifying. And he's like, squat if you can hear us. And I'm like, and I thought Justin wouldn't really like take that seriously, but he's like, uh, it, it, it squats. And I'm like, no, this is, this is ridiculous. So like, but when those moments happen, I look back on them from the outside and I, I like, as a listener, like I, I listen to the episode, I'm like, this is hilarious. Like, this is so genius. And I couldn't do it. Like, I just, so I feel like those are some of the moments that really get me. Like when Che, like just really succe- succeeds with like a silver tongue. 
and persuades this thug mercenary who wants to be a chef to like help us. <laughs> like those are the moments for me so far. So I've really enjoyed the Launcher Brothers. Those are good. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. And that that I have been playing with Danny. Well, both of us started playing tabletop role playing games together. So like. If, if anyone, if we ever get a chance to do something outside of this, or if any of our listeners ever get to play with us, like, Danny is good at playing different characters, but he always adds that, like, comedic relief, Danny. like, touch of chaos. Danny, like, that's Danny. Like, those moments, those are Danny coming through, and he's so good at it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he's also really good at figuring out, like, when is the time to not do those things, and when is the time to, like buckle down and be a little bit more serious but yeah he's it, it, it has taken years and i'm with you steve there's sometimes i'm like oh, come on like, man. Why? Like, why? <laughs> but it, it does it works and i think it works well in avatar because of also how honestly silly the world can be yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's a that's a secret also like second half of the launcher brothers uh origin story i've been in a game with danny for like two and a half years now a Pathfinder game. And in that campaign, they aren't related, but our two characters, I'm like the older brother because I have to take care of like this just belt ball of chaos that Danny's character is. So I kind of wanted to make him the older brother, but it's inevitably just becoming the same relationship <laughs> where Jay is like, okay, can, can you stop? Can you not do that? Reining him in. Uh, but that's kind of fun too. Cause he's like the older brother and he's like obsessed with protecting him. But Jay's got to like look out for him in some way. Yeah, my favorite uh, has been that little arc that Osa went through in Wanya. Um, oh yeah, for sure. I thought that was like so well done, and yeah, just from like the conversation with Toko and like then uh, Kasa getting hurt in the and then to like how osa responded like that has been some of my favorite parts of the story we've told Mm. for sure and then i also just i i also do relish in being ridiculous um and trying to come up with just off the cuff weird stuff whenever i'm trying to respond to you if i feel like it's appropriate (laughs) i think you've done well with the balance Yeah. yeah I did really like that Ren scene, but now I, I, like a almost tie. I really liked Liko's whole reaction to uh, Iroh's kind of betrayal, Iron's kind of betrayal. Oh yeah, yes. that whole exchange. Like all four of these dudes are just kind of being idiots because like <laughs> they don't really know how to deal with like this extreme situation, and she's just like dealing with this incredibly just like this terrible thing that's been done to her. And I, I don't know, it just. The whole emotional exchange um, was just great. Like, kind of just nonstop. I mean, it really was like the whole backbone of that episode. And that episode is one of my favorites, if not yeah. my favorite so far. It was, so. It was really good. Yeah, I like the um, I like the scene between Liko and Che. It was just it was really short, and but it was like it almost like I don't know. You can. It was a representation of how far both of them have come. Like, and how far mm-hmm. the group has come to that now that we're all like bonded Ren almost lost his face and now like you know Chase like he's there he's invested and sometimes he kind of seems like he like he's just kind of there just to be there but then like these, there's like these little tiny moments where you realize no this is a choice he wants to be here because he cares 
And then I think you kind of see that with Liko mm-hmm. every once in a while too, because if anyone's like hardcore RBF face, I'm not going to do anything <laughs> to show any emotion. It's Liko, but <laughs> so I think it's like kind of cool that those two characters were able to put down their shields for just like two minutes. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's actually, yeah. um, you know, I I edit a lot of the episodes, and something I've noticed is if you actually start from the beginning, um, Che and Liko have actually a lot of those moments. Um, these like short little conversations between the two of them that like when I listen to them, I'm like, oh, that was a really meaning that w- I could see that being a meaningful thing for both of them as they go forward. Like it start literally like it starts from the beginning with um, like who's with Che when he's trying to get information on what's happening mm-hmm. in, uh, mm. you know, it's Liko. Um, and yeah, if you listen to it again, there's like uh, there's a few like really, really short conversations that um are just really interesting to me as I've been listening to it. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like that was like that last one was like the moment that kind of sealed the deal that these two yeah. are like yeah. there's more than just like being there to be there or just missions. You know, like they're there because they yeah. care about each other. And you know, yeah. like it could have been anyone who went in to go check in on, on Lego, but it was Che. You know? Mm-hmm. So it was a big deal for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That was one of my favorite moments too. That's so true. And this is a good moment to tease out like the player versus the character because like Steve in real life was like, oh, for sure. I'm going straight to Lico. But then I was like, Ren wouldn't. We just had like, we, yeah, Ren, like we just had this connection and Ren's like probably processing his own stuff. It's like, uh, I'm sending Rue. Yeah, (laughs) but like even then, like the little tiny thing that Che was like, he understood that Lico needed Rue time Hmm. that I don't Mm -hmm. think the rest of him. And obviously, behind the scenes, we all know. But you know, when we're when we're playing, the characters don't know. But Che Che knows just how much room means to Lico. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like that that thing of like, what would your character do in a particular moment? Because like Steve was saying, there's like Johnny is like, yeah, we got to go and like be there for Lico. But like Osa wouldn't know what to say. Osa wouldn't feel comfortable going and trying to comfort her. But Osa would feel 100% comfortable punching yeah. Iron in the face yeah. because of what he did. That's actually, I think that's a small irony of that scene. That because I went in there, uh, irony, not knowing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I totally went in there with the intention of Chain not because he, he's a talker, but he doesn't always know what he's going to say or know what to say, and he didn't 100%. I didn't even know what to say. <laughs> it's like Nick, so like. It was kind of just like him talking and filling the space, but I think the the point where it turned to him like really actually doing something that's like really positive was when you actually gave him the out of like asking the question back, mm-hmm. which I mean kudos to the to the system because yeah. it yeah. encouraged us to do that. Yeah. But when you asked that question of like what would you do, then he actually it wasn't just like talking, it wasn't just like filling the space, it was like a real this is what I would do. This mm-hmm. this is the honest truth of like my understanding of your situation. I think that was just a big, I was, I kind of walked into that situation fully, fully expecting it to just be like a disaster. Mm-hmm. Like Che just like not really connecting and not being very helpful, maybe helping in like a, well, he, he cares kind of way, but like not really like communicating anything important, but <laughs> I was, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with how it turned out. That was, just, it was really cool. Um, well, let's, um, we've been doing a lot of like, maybe behind the scenes character discussion, but I'm curious. Um, so Monroe, this is the first tabletop role-playing game you've played. So you might not be able to compare it to others, but um, you can certainly weigh in on this as well. 
Um, what have you guys enjoyed about the system? Um, what do you think it does really well? What do you think it does poorly? And then sort of a side follow-up question to that is, uh, is there anything you're excited for for the full release of the rules um, that we haven't got a chance to see it in the quick start? Hmm. Uh, excited for is more moves, almost certainly. Um, just, I mean, we're not going to be advancing that often, but when we do, it, it's just cool to have more options, that kind of thing. As far as... Actually, I don't know if they're going to have more, more moves. playbook moves. There'll oh. be well, there'll be more playbooks. So I guess in that sense, no. there will be more moves you can choose from because you can look at the other playbooks. And but I, I don't think they're going to add more moves to moves each per. individual playbook. Yeah, hmm. they might. I don't know. I don't work for Magpie, but if they want to <laughs> hire me, <laughs> I've enjoyed that I'm not rolling all the time. No, because <laughs> I'm cool, coming yeah. from like D and D, and it's like all day, every day, everybody's rolling. And uh, yeah. it feels like it has too much mechanical distraction from story mm-hmm. in, yeah. that, in that system, you know, whereas most of the time, even though I'm focusing also on the fact that like we're recording this <laughs> and so there's that added layer of we're not just playing, right, but we're performing to an extent. It's like, like even in that, I'm pretty immersed in the story. I feel like we have a good flow as like like we're acting now we're talking outside of our characters to figure out what's happening or how to play. Um, but I feel like the mechanics aren't super cumbersome or distracting. So kudos to them. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me, similar to what you're saying, like I come from D&D and, and a little bit of Pathfinder. And, and I think the thing that I both have loved the most about this system, but has also been like the most challenging is the lack of those mechanical pieces where I feel like, yes, they can be distracting in other games, but they can also really inform your role play where like when you know mechanically that you have three hit points left, like that can really help inform versus like in, in, in this, you have this like much more ephemeral idea of how you're doing because you don't have like a hit point system or like a clear, um, like, super definitive like this is i mean there is like hits and misses and stuff but even on a miss sometimes you're successful because of other things all this these there's it's a lot more ephemeral in this which i think like you're saying i think it lends itself to that role play and to getting more into just like yes anding each other and just running with the story um but i do sometimes miss those mechanical pieces of information that help that can help inform the story a little bit sometimes totally i'm i'm with you like i uh i've been i started with pathfinder and i've been gm gming pathfinder now pretty much consistently for since i started and i something changed i, I think i used to because i you know i came from like board games and whatnot it was like all the rules da, 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 da. and then at some point realizing that like no the rules actually lead to the story Right, they inform me how I should be playing the story, and like, yes, there is a mechanical, uh, you know, rule or benefit to those things. But like, like Johnny was saying, like, if you have three hit points, well, that's a that's a moment for your character to make a character choice. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to run away? Are they going to cower behind? You know. So, I'm with you. Like, I, it is, yeah, I do miss it. It is. It's been difficult coming from Pathfinder and having to like get rid of all of the way that I generally GM and play tabletop role-playing mm-hmm. games. Um, and I'm still learning too. Like, I think there are probably 
there are honestly probably more moves that we could be triggering. Like if you listen to it, I think on average, we're only probably rolling maybe, I think on average, it's probably like three or four rolls an episode, um, which to be fair, they're only like an hour, hour, 15 episode minutes. So, um, you know, if we were to play like a full three, four hour session, that's 12 or so rolls. That's a decent amount. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm loving it. I really enjoy just being able to like, act and tell a story and not have to like be burdened by like constantly be thinking about all the mechanical fiddly bits in the in the background those fiddly bits those fiddly bits man i feel like to not not just to play devil's advocate but also because i at first i very much felt that with uh uh powered by the apocalypse that uh, i'm so used to like having rules for everything that i'm doing and like those really being represented mechanically in the system, like all of my actions. But I also kind of really like how much the system encourages you to do things, just do things with your character. Like, um, you know, when you have a condition, you it you can do something with the story to lose it. You can just do something. And it's usually something negative. But, I, and, you know, it's just kind of cool that it encourages that. And Again, the scene, I know I talked about it a bunch already, but because of how the system works, you know, Liko was encouraged to ask a question back and that I feel like really, you know, changed the whole scene and, and allowed for this interesting uh, interaction. So I think there's a trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I 100% agree with you about those types of mechanics. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that I don't have to, like, count how many spell slots or key points or things <laughs> like that I have doing before that. I bend or, you know, do... What do you say, so Justin? we can start doing that. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> no, I think the I think the pieces of the mechanics that that I the only mechanics really that I miss are those um uh, th- those like hard combat mechanics of like how much health you have mm. and how much uh like whether or not you actually hit a person and like you know critical hits and things like that where it, it felt like those sorts of things informed some of those moments a little bit for me mm-hmm. and not not so much like the the nitty-gritty of like spell slots and i have this many gold pieces and all that kind of stuff i like that we're, we're able to just be like yeah we've got a bunch of we've got a bunch of money and che has it all in a box and we're just gonna <laughs> spend it until justin tells us that we don't have money anymore because <laughs> that you know. is how most teens um, would spend money Oh, that 100%. is exactly how they would. Like, wait, who was in charge of the purse? Wasn't it you, Che? Oh, shoot. Uh, well, we're out. Uh, <laughs> well, no, Che knows exactly how much money is in there. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Monroe, you're you're new to tabletop role playing games. Um, I'm curious what your what your thoughts are. Uh, I have a an acting background, so I think this is really uh, it's interesting. It's not the same thing because usually you get a script and you know where it's going to go. But what I do appreciate about this is that you have to be in character. It's more like improv. You have to be in character mm-hmm. and you just have to take the hits as they come at you, just like it is in life, I guess, in that kind of way. So I really like that um, That I get to do something like that while also playing a game that has distinct rules. But now that mm-hmm. I know that there's like going to be more, with more rules that are coming in, there's also going to be more, more, more like, abilities or whatever or more like moves that you can do um yeah it gets me really excited yeah i like the story maybe it's just you justin yeah (laughs) but (laughs) i like the story (laughs) i uh i enjoy telling stories i enjoy being 
being the GM and leading people on an adventure. I am super excited to um, the thing that they the one thing that they like mentioned in the quick start rules that they are like this is coming is um, like learning and practicing and mastering different fighting techniques and like Perfect how timing. do you learn those and I'm like so interested in in that mechanic um yeah so like i don't this is for i mean i don't know uh we haven't talked about this i don't know which of you guys have like backed the kickstarter or following the kickstarter but um they're coming out what are they called they're called um legends i think they're basically like the characters that you know and love from the shows and the novels and the comic books and they'll be in the world there to teach you certain things so it's like you know and that'll be different for us because we're in the hundred years war so it's you know i i don't know if there are any masters that they've released for that era i'm sure they will but like if you were playing in the avatar era uh the ang era you know you could have iroh teach you lightning bending right that would be you're like i want to learn lightning bending i gotta go to iroh to learn it like and that would be so fun that is one of the things that um i'm 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 very happy we chose the hundred years war as our era because i think there's just a lot more that that we can play around with and always in the back of my head i'm like is this going too far Are people going to be like well that's not avatar um because i am you know i'm i'm making stuff up and i'm i'm trying to figure out like what's appropriate to the world but is still different enough that it's not just oh that was that's the ang you know that's avatar the last airbender just rehashed mm-hmm. um so but i am sad that i'm not gonna get to do any like terrible impressions of any characters that people know and love <laughs> i'm a little sad about that that'll oh, have to come Zuko. in another <laughs> that'll have to come in another season where we like yeah you know do like a totally different arc or something if people if people clamor for it we should set up a Patreon, Justin. Why don't we have a Patreon? I'm working on it, Steve. Okay, sorry, sorry. It. Maybe I should be more helpful. Hey, Justin, can I help us set up a Patreon? Do we got? You said you, you had questions. Did we ask any of those yet? There's so many questions here. I'm just. Are some of these already from listeners, or are these? Oh, uh, I have asked. Yours? I've asked some from from our listeners. Um, right. Did you want to like shout them out, like the users themselves? Right? Yeah, I realized I probably should have written down where these here. Let's see, I can do it real quickly. The question of like what made you choose the characters you created and um, the inspiration that came from FAKBO, FACBO. Um, and the question. question about um, the question of like what have you enjoyed about the system uh, and what do you think is doing poorly and, and what are you looking forward to in the full rules came from Magnificent Beardius. Good name. Love that That's, name. It is Dang. a great name. It's a great name. Um, and then the question about uh, like your your inspiration that came from me. That was my question. Um, cool. What's this? Uh, here, this is sort of for just you as people. Um, what is a what's a tabletop RPG that you have always wanted to play but have not gotten a chance to play? I've always heard a lot of fun things about uh, Vampire the Masquerade, mm. and I've never gotten around to, to playing it, but I've always wanted to check it out. That'll be a, a special for us, for sure. We can get some eyeliner on. <laughs> <laughs> Just go crazy. Yeah, we'd have to stream that one for sure. 
100%. I really want to play Deadlands. I want to play it so bad. <laughs> You've mentioned that a few times, yeah. It's been here. Yeah. Because uh, we've been playing as a group before we started recording just to, you know, get used to each other. And you're like, can we please play Deadlands? <laughs> I want to play... Just let me play a Supernatural Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I mean, I, I don't think I have an answer because... The way that I've interacted with games has always been like brought to me by people I directly know. And so like I'm always like, yeah, I'll play whatever that is. <laughs> and so for me, like I've never been scouting or anticipating like games or anything like that. Uh, it's just not how I've related to it, even though I love them. I love yeah. diving deep when I'm there. I have uh, I just started a new job and... Um... You know, whatever what inevitably happens is you get asked, like, oh, who are you outside of work? Like, what are your hobbies? And I'm like, I pretty much just do stuff centered around tabletop role-playing games. Um, I'm, I've am i looked at it enough now <laughs> that, like, all my social media is like, there's this new Kickstarter coming out, and uh, here's this and that. And so like, I'm just inundated with news and, and whatnot. But... um yeah, I I feel like I've made that transition where like uh, I started with Pathfinder, and like I played a little Fifth Edition, um, was not my favorite. Um, that's nothing against people that enjoy Fifth Edition. If you enjoy it, by all means, the more people that play games, the better. Um, but yeah, I've made this like transition to like more indie games, I guess, and I think just because of. The popularity that tabletop role-playing games are getting because of things like Critical Role and, um, you know, Stranger Things and, and all these things. Like, a lot of these, like, what used to be smaller companies are getting a chance to do, like, big stuff. Like, honestly, like, Magpie Games. Like, I, I feel like years ago, um, an Avatar tabletop role-playing game would not have raised the amount of money it would have. It did. Like, it's insane to me how successful mm -hmm. that Kickstarter was and like that sort of stuff wouldn't happen. But, um, I don't know. I, the number one, it, I've been wanting to run it or actually I don't want to run it. I want someone else to run it for me. I really want to play city of mist. It's like, a um, neo noir detective, like gritty superhero tabletop role playing game. And that just sounds like so fun to like ham it up and be this like, hard-boiled detective that's like in this supernatural city oh, just man. the facts monroe you got anything or are you just like nah i'm not even looking at any <laughs> tabletop rpgs <laughs> no um well that is true i'm not really looking at them not because i don't think they're cool but i just i'm, I'm that new like i don't know what's out there and so yeah yeah, yeah i'm kind of well, like sure. you in that way too steve where um anything that i've am aware of it's been like passed directly to me so it's good that we re we don't just represent the corner of the world that is like hardcore game scouting all the time like we're <laughs> different types of nerds here <laughs> yeah totally and i think that's what's the beauty of these types of games is that there's a large circle of people that can get into these games right like you could not like rules and games but you really enjoy like monroe and mentioned like improv and acting so there's a place for you right like or i know like before this like I, yeah i did i did high school theater so like i i do enjoy the improv acting thing but like i was a huge board game fan before this and so 
it was just a natural progression into like, oh, there's all these rules I can learn and like play a game out of that where I can just say whatever I want. Like that sounds like a lot of fun. For me, I think this is like something that's tapped into a creative like thread of like, I I want to write. I know Johnny's a writer as well. Like, and we're like doing it more and more. Uh, like Johnny and I actually like meet weekly to like help each other with our fiction writing and other types of writing. Mm -hmm. Um, but like for me, I think that's something I wasn't even aware of when I started playing different sorts of games and then tabletop games was like co-creating a story with people is kind Mm -hmm. of like writing. And I love that. I love making the story with people. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing in tabletop gaming for me is I've never heard anyone discuss this, so I'm just going to use words that I've made up to, just, to refer to it. <laughs> uh, but there's like this like zone that you can get into when you're playing where everyone's just deeply steeped in their character. All of the rules are secondary. Everybody, it's just this perfect back and forth where scenes just play out just so organically. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we've hit that pretty close, at, at least in a couple of scenes so far. And I just want to keep getting there because that that sweet spot of like tabletop role playing is it's just like it's just heroin for me. And I just love being there. So that, that and that is what I'm always chasing when I'm playing tabletop games. A hundred percent. I always I always think about it in I think all of us love movies here and TV shows. I always think about it in that sort of sense where like, how would this look on screen? Mm-hmm. And like to to Nick's point, it's those moments when you guys lose yourself in your character, and like the scene just like naturally flows. That I'm like, oh, that would be like if I was watching that, I would f- I would feel something watching that. That's what mm-hmm. that's what I'm always thinking is like in the back of my head. I'm like, how would this look in in on a camera? I feel like that's a perfect mindset for a GM. All right, uh, it's time. I'm gonna start asking some like, well, here here's one more. Here's an avatar question. Uh, what has been, what was your favorite episode, uh, of Avatar The Last Airbender or Korra? You can pick. Ooh. And if you're really crazy, I guess you could pick one from each. I'll, I'll say for me, it's definitely from Last Airbender. Um, but it's a tie. It's two episodes are my favorite episodes. I said one. Um, okay. Well then, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, my favorite episodes are, uh, Appa's Lost Days after Appa gets, uh, you know, kidnapped and he's gone for a while. And then um, the tales of Bossing Se, when it has like the vignettes of what everyone's doing in Bossing Se, like separately, those two episodes are chef's kiss. They're classic, classic. Tales episodes. of Bossing Se is really good, but uh, I'm an edgelord. So I have to say the episode where uh, uh, Aang loses Appa, the episode after the second half of the, the library arc, uh, and he loses his mind on those sandbenders. One of my favorite moments in the entire That's series. <laughs> I guess I should have prefaced it to not uh, spoil things for Monroe because I'm not sure at what point in the series you're at. Yeah, I took out my headphones so I wouldn't hear it. <laughs> so, if you don't mind, it's okay. No, I can. I'm perfectly capable of taking out my, ear- my earbuds so you can answer the question. But um, yeah, I probably won't answer this question. Just, <laughs> just a heads up. Where um where are you though in the I'm still like in the beginning like things kind of took off in my you know work life so I didn't really have enough yeah. time to to finish it so for sure unacceptable I'll give you the <laughs> thumbs up right after I talk about my favorite episode okay all right thanks man. I'm about to dive in <laughs> I mean for me it was 
definitely um, the episode in season three of Airbender. They go and they search out the dragons to learn proper firebending. Oh, uh-huh. that's a good one. And the Sun Warriors? It's, it's this, yeah. this buildup with the dynamic between Zuko and the rest of the group for me. It's part of his redemption arc. and But it's also like Zuko has things to learn as well. Like he's trying to teach Aang firebending and he's kind of like discovering how impotent he is because of this mm. particular moment of transition in his own life where he's like having to shed who he was and has to relearn firebending, not from a place of like anger and bitterness and like desire to prove himself and rage and like trying to do firebending from a totally different energy. Um, And so he's like in that, that like nexus of like, I've shed this part of myself. I'm like grieving loss and don't know how to live or exist as a new version of me. And Mm. then they go to the dragons and I'm just like, this is, this is gold. So So anyway, I, that is something too I've always wanted to like I want to explore with maybe some of the other elements is like because we've you know lore wise we've gotten like here are the sort of emotions and the mentality that that these bendings have had but what would it look like to have something come from somewhere else um Monroe I can I I'm gonna answer my I'm gonna say my so I don't wanna <laughs> Poor Monroe. <laughs> All right, now that she's not listening, we can say whatever we want about Monroe. She is a she's a wonderful role player. She's very good, and I'm very happy that she's. <laughs> I can't wait till she, she listens hear any to of that. this. That's right. She's the best. <laughs> I know. She'll, the first time she'll hear it is when I know. That's funny. <laughs> no, um, I. This is. It's funny. I I didn't know the name of. I was gonna say one episode from Cora and one episode from last airbender and i looked up the name of it in cora and i realized that the naming structure is the same um and i mentioned this before but i love like westerns and like samurai movies so zuko alone that oh my gosh i just thematically and narratively i love zuko alone and then yeah. i just realized that the episode of cora i like the most is called cora alone it's uh, <laughs> the episode dealing with like the mental health and trauma. Like it's just such a mm-hmm. that's one of the most powerful uh, episodes I think in in Korra for sure. Are we good? All right. So Aang is dead at the end of. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Everyone dies. Wait, we can't say that. This is Avatar. I will say this. This has nothing to do with that question but it's just it got me thinking in this direction um because i was just thinking about like zuko who is probably my favorite character in last airbender and thinking about how if we ever get to the point where we have like the audience to justify bringing in like celebrity guests i would love to have dante bosco be on an episode with us like that'd be that would be fun you know my uh abby when i've pitched it when i told her i was like i really want to do this she's like you should follow dante bosco and like tag him and just like see what he says everyone Maybe, bother yeah, dante is, bosco listeners please yeah. mobilize please and, don't no don't <laughs> tell tell them to be like no, no, have you heard that. of the flying bison podcast yeah, that'd be so embarrassing. We got that, <laughs> that penal representation. Yeah, no, right? yeah, so. <laughs> oh, do I not have no. enough shame? Okay. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I worship the ground the man walks on, but still. It'd just be embarrassing to have him like, listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who do these people think If the only are? thing he'd ever done was play Rufio, it would have been enough, but to have him also be Zuko. Yeah, it's the combo. Wasn't it's he? It's one-two punch. 
<laughs> to my heart. I'm looking up a show that I used to watch. Yeah, he was also. I do. Any of you watch American Dragon Jake Long? Yeah. Oh yeah. Love no. that show. I think that was the first thing I ever saw Dante Bosco in. Anyway, um, all right. These are just some fun, fun questions. We'll do some like rapid fire fun questions, and then right, we'll, uh, we'll close it out. Um, what is a fun fact about your character that would come up naturally? Oh, uh, he really didn't go to school. That wasn't a joke. (laughs) Sorry, Che didn't actually go to school. That wasn't a joke. Uh, He was was kind of tutored at home uh, in the the kind of like singular, like homeschooled situation. Very overbearing kind of education. Yeah. Because when I said that, it kind of came out as like, like a joke. And, you know, everybody was... I forget what I was even talking about, but at some point, Che was just like, yeah, I didn't learn about this in school. I mean, I didn't go to school, but <laughs> and that was, I mean, that was actually supposed to be like an in-character, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've never actually been to school, but, you know, in, cl- in in learning things, I never learned about this was how it was supposed to go. Maybe this is something to be built out, but I don't think I have any fun facts. Like, everything I've thought of for Ren, I feel like has been used or will be used mm. and so i don't want to like spoil anything now spoil by something. like revealing offline information you know i think for liko it would be we kind of got a taste of it but she she does have this uh i guess a sense of tradition or this code to protect life at all costs but it you know a little fact is that she she does have a hard time pulling back sometimes if she's doing something like with that uh that frog <laughs> you know she has a hard time keeping that uh, i wouldn't I, I feel like it's kind of tacky to call it a darkness but i think like there's mm-hmm. that urge to to protect someone so much that the the boundaries between right and wrong are very very blurry mm-hmm. with Liko. Mm-hmm. but yeah there is definitely a darkness in her to, to get tacky yeah. about it i think we kind of saw that in the last episode <laughs> Nah, it's not tag. It's it's good. Well, I mean, like, well, yeah. I mean, like, because everyone kind of talks about the darkness, kind of like you can, you can go anywhere, like Dexter, my dark passenger, kind of stuff. Like, you know, like yeah. he, you know, she definitely has like this dark side to her for sure. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think that's a lot of the reason why, like in 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 the actual story of that we're telling, I think that's a lot of the reason why Che and her kind of have those moments because mm-hmm. Che definitely has that, but it was like bred into him. Mm-hmm. Which is an interesting dichotomy. You mm. must be dark, kind my of. son. <laughs> I mm. mean, it's that, that, but not that specifically. You know, what's what's yeah, Osa's least, least favorite meat? His <laughs> least favorite meat, uh, rabbit. Probably rabbit. it's too too gamey. No, um, Osa I loves gourds. That's the fun fact. That's Osa's fun fact. Yeah, <laughs> he's the opposite of me in that way. Um. No, I think I think I mean, it's not necessarily like a fun fact, but it is like something I decided about Osa early on that might not ever come up organically, like within the campaign. But he doesn't think the Avatar is real. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't think it's a real thing. He thinks it's like mythology that everyone has just like bought into and perpetuates. And like he doesn't think that there's an uh, Airbender uh, Avatar now because he doesn't think there ever was or will be an Avatar fascinating i love that oh i feel like that's definitely gonna come up i'm it now it is can't imagine it won't (laughs) it is for sure no well i don't it's i don't know that osa would ever have brought it up even if it came up yeah sure no that's 
Just uh, like, I don't know if Ren is going to bring up enjoying the sauna a lot, you know? But like, now that I've said that, I feel like I put that out into the universe and Justin's going to be like, sauna scene forthcoming. That's what I was looking for is just like random. So here's here's my fun fact. Um, Poe actually won Bossing Say's Strongest Man when he was a, a young adult. You'd never guess it looking at him but no i mean the only thing he does with those hands now is spice cabbage with charcoal bits and shove them in his mouth he was he was quite the looker we were that man had told me that he was in ever in bossing say i would have been like you're a liar (laughs) (laughs) just moved on just moved on uh funny um all right next question um does your character replace the roll of toilet paper with the it going forwards or backwards Oh, you're talking, you want to talk anarchy right now, huh? Um, (laughs) Jeez. I feel like if we talk about this, though, it could trigger a lot with the (laughs) listeners. If if Osa used toilet paper, because he's a bidet man, right? Osa's Osa's a bidet boy. But if he used used toilet paper, it'd be roll forward. Okay. I think Liko, too. But Liko doesn't use toilet paper. It's not, it's not a question. question. Well, she's a waterbender. Why would she? Yeah. She is <laughs> a natural bidet. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> she is, she is a bidet. <laughs> yeah. What you what you haven't seen behind the scenes things is every time Osa goes to the bathroom, he's like, "Hey, Liko, I need the bidet." <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say this is so unfair to the one waterbender in our group. <laughs> yeah, she has a- <laughs> Oh gosh. There's no precision though, because she's just looking at like an outhouse and just like. But she has the dry. Like lifting a geyser of water for for Osa. You got Osa. Osa's the dryer. Okay. Yeah, I've got air I can just. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, this is perfect because Che just learned how to make an outhouse. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's all working. It's working. Ren is just gonna chill on the sidelines, take no part in this. It will go wrong. <laughs> So, like, Ren doesn't, like, wipe his, like, behind at all? Well, I think, oh, when it comes to personal practice. Ren does his business and just pulls his pants right up, <laughs> not, doesn't think so about got, like, it. A lot of, like, street I'm just talking about Ren not getting into the triangle of, like, Che's going to make an outhouse, Liko's going to run the power bidet, Osa's going to be the dryer. I feel like Ren would be like, I'm going to go to the bathroom over here, far away from all of you. What if, like, um, we all have to use the bathroom, though, like, right before we leave? That's, that's like, a, like, an hour's worth of just... Yeah. Stuff yeah. figuring it out. Yeah. It's gonna be some work. Yeah. Once you get on Rue, there's no turning around. You can't. Yeah. I mean, I think honestly, Ren, this is gonna be like some of the privilege of Ren's background coming through of just like not taking certain chores seriously, um, and probably just not even set up the toilet paper properly. Just like leave it on its side, vertical. So you just mm. grab the roll each time that you pull stuff instead of like taking that extra step to hang it. <laughs> That seems right. That seems right. You might not even know how to put it put it on. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know, is this supposed to be forwards or backwards? <laughs> Panic. Doesn't even know where to find the extra rolls, so he just leaves. <laughs> eventually eventually calls out to Liko and be like, I give in. Can I please have bidet power? <laughs> Liko's like, No, I never agree to this. <laughs> That's exactly what she'd say. <laughs> I think Che would, uh, I think he didn't know. Like, I think he was a very similar situation to Ren. 
of like a kind of a uh just that you know what is the word that you use I, it's privilege? completely escaped me yeah privilege background uh just like on the side didn't really set it up and after after a few talks with him and uh and rosic it was probably like a all right well over the top all right just kind of learned it we have no no bottom people huh <laughs> interesting i feel like rosic's probably a behind the toilet paper yeah i like that because i feel like rosic would have taught him that way and then Che was like okay i'm just gonna do the other thing <laughs> <laughs> see i feel like rosic would be the person who like doesn't realize that he's consistently putting the toilet paper on backwards and is never quite the same like mm. it's forward sometimes it's backwards other times he doesn't really he just puts it on the he thing and walks away on. he doesn't mm-hmm. yeah he doesn't I, think about what direction i it did is. what needed to be done you can't ask anything else of me. I replaced it, didn't I? Like, you can't get mad. <laughs> I'm now picturing Rosic shouting instructions to someone who is in Che's homemade uh, <laughs> outhouse. outhouse and just saying, squat if you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Now Rosic has his catchphrase. Yeah. Well, there's a few that are probably shirts. Yeah, we, we should make sure it's a bunch of Rosic Squad, things, if you can hear me. <laughs> I would going pay in the good diary. money for that. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe I'll look into that. I'll look into that. Pinch um, here's another question for a Magnificent Beardius. If you make two separate lasagnas, bake them both, and then put one lasagna on top of the other, is it two lasagnas or one lasagna? Is this for us or our characters? This is for you. Okay. I think that's two lasagnas. They're they're on top of each other, but it's still two lasagnas. I think the key, personally, I think the key is in the process. If you prepared them and then stacked them and then baked them, mm. that's one lasagna. But if you uh, if you do everything separate and then you have two fully cooked lasagnas and you stack them on top of each other, now you're just the weirdo who put one lasagna on another. This is clearly not a lasagna. It's a lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> so like if you have oh. to ask it's two but like why would anyone ask this like no one should ask if you if you stack them properly it looks just like one mega lasagna so i agree with johnny yeah it's two but i hope that no one would ask if you stack it right you got all like oh this is good <laughs> I like it. I want to say, I want to say. I was one. so not expecting that. It's <laughs> really destroyed me. You've, you've offended both all of our French and Italian listeners. Yeah, yeah, and probably the Portuguese. While I'm at it, right? Because Dua yeah. isn't Dua Portuguese for two. Oh, I'm yeah. probably not saying it right. Oh gosh. Yeah. Maybe if they weren't offended before, they're offended, they're offended now. now. Yep. The minute I brought it I'm up, I'm just gonna go to the bathroom. Uh, Liko, can I have some help? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I want to play devil's advocate and say one, but m- like logic is not letting me <laughs> because like if it's the minute you put a second lasagna on top of another lasagna, there's like if you put manicotti between if you put like a layer of manicotti on top of one lasagna and then put the second lasagna on, then it's one lasagna, right? But the minute those two pasta layers touch it's just two lasagnas you have yeah. to have the cheese in between it you have you to have something lasagna with cheese what you don't top your lasagna with cheese yeah you should you should 
not have just dry noodles on the top of your lasagna. Doesn't sound like good lasagna. Yeah, but I'm saying there's like a there's a a process to the layering. Okay, right. Um, no, I understand. All right. I'm fair. I'm okay. with Justin. Yeah. It depends how it's prepared. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's this is like a weird food version of the ship of Theseus. Like, <laughs> if I take out a layer of pasta and replace it with another layer of pasta, is it the At same? What point is this the original <laughs> pasta? This is the original lasagna. <laughs> I would just say, I would. I'm just gonna go fully practical. If you've ever tried to remove an entire lasagna from the pot it was cooked in, you're not gonna have a good time, and you're not gonna have one contiguous piece of lasagna. So there's no way that you're then putting it on top of another lasagna, and in and in any way would anyone think that that was just one lasagna? You know, it's like a pile of lasagna <laughs> on top of another lasagna. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. That's a good That's point. True. Too. That's a good point. <laughs> well, I hope that uh, Magnificent Beardius, we've, I feel like we've adequately answered this question. It's, it's clearly just two lasagnas. But uh, if you disagree, write in and uh, we'll discuss it. Um, well, we should probably close. Anyone? Does anyone have any any last questions? Um, maybe for one of us, or I don't know. You could ask our listeners. Is uh, Osa ever going to teach us how to do the the Dougie? The, the Dougie? <laughs> no, the the spirit world call because we're out here in the dark ages and the dark he's, making, ages. he's making collect calls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could uh, certainly try. I think. I mean, hypothetically, he could. Um, He's already got an arrangement with Ren now to teach each other, teach each other things. Ren's going to teach him how to fight in exchange for a, a lesson to be determined later. So, spirit world, maybe some spirit world calling. Are we ever going to find out how he uh, was able to do that, or did we just? I, I for some reason I did not know he had that ability. I mean, so it's it's a thing where it's sort of established in later. I mean, it's not really spoilers, but like pretty much any anyone who learns how to focus enough in in the world of avatar can enter the spirit world okay yeah, yeah people spent, are different. right oh, sorry. sorry go ahead no, i was just gonna say people have varying aptitudes but it's just a skill yeah. you can learn yeah it's it's particularly prevalent among air nomads mm-hmm. but um and it's like unlike most other bending types that it's like a prerequisite to like ascend to certain levels within the air nomad structure but but it's something anybody could learn. Okay. It um, I really liked that decision, um, because it was a we were like you know trying to figure out like how how would Osa narratively not be in these episodes, but then when you when you suggest that I was like that's brilliant because I love this dichotomy of like Osa can airbend, but we've established he's probably not the best air nomad, and yet like what was it about? entering the spirit world and like meditation. Like, it's just so fascinating. I, I would love to explore that more is like, why does mm-hmm. Osa get this and doesn't get other aspects of airbending? That's what I was asked. Like, why? Like, like why I asked that, like, do we know how or why he, you know, not yet, but we will right? figure it out. Oh, I, I can't <laughs> I put so. that down. I yeah. hope so. <laughs> like, no, that's, I, that's I have, I have reasons. So I squeeze this character if for we explore it, yeah. that, I'll be able to, to go deeper so that's awesome all right well uh any last questions any burning questions you can never ask another question ever again 
this is not original to me. I saw it on uh, I saw it on TikTok. But can we all agree that uh, chunky peanut butter is food and creamy peanut butter is a condiment? Whoa, whoa! You're gonna <laughs> drop that in right before we're about to end this episode, right? Yeah the the guy the guy who like put that out there, his argument was that if you have mayonnaise and you add eggs, so it's like chunky mayonnaise, that's egg salad. But if you just have mayonnaise, it's a condiment. Yeah, but what if I'm adding like not scrambled eggs, like a aioli, like with a like a. No, but he, so the point is, you take you take like the creamy sure. version of the substance and the solid version of the substance, and you mix them together, and that's a food, right? So, eggs mm. in mayonnaise, which are creamy eggs with a little bit of oil, and that's that's egg salad. That's the recipe for egg salad. You just chop up hard boiled eggs and you put it in mayonnaise. And then with peanut butter with chunky, so, you have to you have to eat that in order to swallow it. And creamy, you can just right. You have to chew chunky peanut butter. Because there's so it's whole just, peanuts in I it. See if you it. chew it, it's food? I, Essentially, yeah. <laughs> but the argument yeah. is that chunky peanut butter is the egg salad of peanut butter. I mean, like, I see it. I don't know if I agree with it. I hate <laughs> that statement so much. <laughs> you can't apply consistent rules to food. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> that like, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's just no, you're not wrong. <laughs> but a lot of things we do doesn't make sense. Look at the English language. We're speaking it right now. It's stupid. <laughs> doesn't have any rules. There are no consistent rules in this language. Uh, I'm not even going to touch this one. Yeah, I need to think about this. <laughs> yeah, this is over my head. Next I feel week, like this is, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to think of something that you chew that's a condiment. Your degree in philosophy could not have prepared you for relish. this, Justin. Yeah, relish. I would agree with that. Relish is a condiment, but you so, chew it. Then clearly it's not about chewing. Mm. That's true. Ooh. This is okay. why it's so it's hard. So, it's something else about the but, peanuts. Yeah. But again, that relish relish is like relish is only food? a couple of chops away from being a food and not a condiment. Like, if you'd stopped chopping <gasps> just a little bit earlier, you'd just have small pickles instead of relish. <laughs> It's <laughs> I mean we you're not wrong. So, <laughs> so you're saying if you instead of instead of just roughly chopping the peanuts, <laughs> chop them a little bit finer. Well, if you weren't it aggressively would be chopping. Aggressive chopping of peanuts. Salad. I, I don't it know why be. this is. So you've prompted some reflection here. I don't know why, but I still feel that it's true that if I just had peanuts in a bowl, that that is a food. But the even the chunkiest peanut butter is not a standalone food. I, I it would do, just be unpleasant. I do believe right? this. I think it's part of the pleasantness of the experience. Like pe- chunky peanut butter, no matter how chunky, is sort of designed with the intention to be integrated in like a sandwich or other items or to be dipped with or things like this. I don't know that pleasantness is a good metric for whether or not something is food. I know. Though. You're right. Like, okay. I, like I because said, like, I there know. are plenty of things that are, are food that are disgusting like i don't know i don't don't know where this distinction comes into this argument at all so i'm just gonna throw it in here and see what happens but you don't really eat egg salad by itself either like you can eat potato salad by itself and you can eat other forms of mac salad egg salad is like a side for things you're less human for it never had that it's always in a sandwich that's the thing like sorry what were you saying egg salad could be like a meal but chunky peanut butter cannot cannot no Ah, is that what we mean by a food? Like, this could be its own meal. 
Like you can mm. legit have egg salad but if like, you want to. Why couldn't chunky peanut butter be its own meal? It's probably got a pretty similar amount of protein and trans fats, saturated fats, sodium to egg salad. It's just cultural. It's just, yeah. it's just blasphemy. It's social construction of chunky peanut butter. Well, here's, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that this conversation is over. Uh, <laughs> yes. In no yeah. way have we yes. figured out we anything. We haven't figured it out and we won't. But I do think uh, Steve said something that I think we should end on because it was inspiring is that chunky peanut butter no matter how chunky can be a food let that just i don't know i thought that was like uh stupidly inspirational just remember listeners (laughs) no matter how chunky your peanut butter is you can be a food no matter how chunky your peanut butter you can still eat it it it. isn't a food (laughs) that's what you said (laughs) I well then forget it never mind no inspiration we're ending on uh, and uh we will see you next week uh we'll have to figure out what you find in the cabin on Lico's parents diary. journal yeah the diary yep. journal Sorry. send us your questions diary. send us your questions send so us- we can do this again yeah. sometime yeah, keep sending us questions. Um, this was a lot of fun. I had a ton of fun. And, yeah, yeah um, we'll inadequately we should... answer them a second time. Don't yep. worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> ask us all of your hard questions, um, and we won't answer them. There we go. Yes, but give us your softballs. We'll definitely get those. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Let's not let's not set a high bar here. <laughs> Enough. I was literally lowering the bar, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's it's not low enough. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Avatar Legends was developed and produced by Magpie Games. The worlds of Avatar The Last Airbender and Avatar The Legend of Korra are property of Viacom CBS. Intro music is Dizu by Sendai. Outro music is Tokyo Funk by LATG Music. Logo and art by Kate and Matthew Menke. You can find more of their work at pomekin.com. Link in the show notes.